Welcome to this episode of the Before MD podcast. My name is Aaron Kasinga, the host, and together we shall explore the stories, experiences, and challenges faced by 2021 first year medical students at the University of Newcastle on their journey to medicine. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. So I'm Rani, uh, my full name, Rani Josephine Lewis. Um, I hated my middle name growing up. Um, it, I was actually named after Joe March, Josephine March from Little Women. Mm. It was my mum's favourite book. Um, my mum kind of thinks she's a tomboy and a little bit like Joe March. So hence why I got that name. Um, I've kind of appreciated it more in the future but I just hated it growing up. And you know when you have to like fill your name out on everything? Yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> Franny, Josephine, Lewis. Yeah. So do you like least, omit the Josephine always uh, like in school? And stuff? Whenever, I, whenever I could, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> whenever I could, get rid of it. Um, yeah. But, you know, growing up, growing to appreciate it. So what can I say? Um, yeah. So that's my name. Um, I'm 22. For anyone interested. <laughs> <laughs> 22 single um <laughs> you know that's just that's just how we live life mm. um and yeah i was born and raised in australia so mm. that's sure. fun I, I should even specify born and raised in newey so i'm a novocastrian to heart so if anyone wants some tips on on stuff to do i can help maybe to some degree <laughs> just don't ask me for my restaurant recommendations because well, I've done that before and it was actually really good. Yeah, like I literally, we literally went to each of the restaurants that you, you know, recommended. I had a whole conniption about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and is know. your, is your family from Newcastle as well? Oh, uh, well, yes. Yeah. So dad's, dad's side of the family from Newcastle. They've been in Newcastle. Oh, my grandpa grew up in Newcastle sort of, mm. whereas my grandma grew up down um in cumula down near wagga wagga so she grew up there and then moved up to newcastle later with my grandpa mm. <laughs> um so yeah pretty much dad's side of the family newcastle australia although my grandma would probably kill me if i didn't acknowledge her scottish heritage which <laughs> 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 is very very uh proudly um a from a pioneering family of Scottish people, which mm. I don't really get myself, but anyway. Um, and mum's side of the family, she's from Malaysia, but like her, I guess, ethnicity um, is actually like Sri Lankan. So she, her family migrated to Malaysia a few generations back. And so, yeah, they, she grew up in Malaysia, came here, studied, Met my dad, married, even though that was a whole, <laughs> a whole like debacle. Um, Is it, was it because of the culture difference? Yeah, it was not uh, high on my grandma's priority list for my mother to be marrying a, <laughs> a white man from Australia. It was not really, not really her idea or vision for my mother's future, but oh well, turned out, turned out semi-okay, I guess. Mm. <laughs> And how has how's, how's your journey of cultural identity been in that, you know, your dad is Australian and your mum is Malaysian? Yeah, look, I mean, I know everyone probably hears this from every mixed person they ever meet, but, yeah, like I guess you always feel a bit like an outsider in either country that you're in. Like, mm. you know, when I go to Malaysia, I mean, I am actually a foreigner, so it's fair enough that they're like, oh, she's like a white person, you know, fair enough. Yeah. But I feel like when I'm in Australia and you always get the question like, oh, so where are you from? Mm. And you know they just mean like, which country did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, I was born here. I was raised here. I'm probably as almost bogan as you can get, true blue Australian as you can get. But, you know, it's just because you look slightly different that people like to assume. And as they say, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And yeah. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> Yeah, I don't usually like having to. It's like always the do I press the button and say I'm from Australia or do I go with what you're actually asking me and say, mm. 
my mum is from Malaysia, which is why I look like this, but I'm actually born in Australia. Yeah. The, the whole rigmarole, which is generally not something I like doing all the time. But, you know, they're always asking from like a place of interest and being genuine. So you can't get mad at them, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just tiring after a while, but that's right. Not alone in that one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And just growing up as well, um, how was it like balance? Because I know Malaysia is like, like, you've got a very strong, you know, Malaysian culture. And then, you know, being in Australia, how was it like balancing that for yourself? Yeah, I think it was really hard. Like we, I would only get to see mum's side of the family every three years or so. And mm. like we would try and make the most of our time. We would go for like at least six weeks um, each holiday um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely difficult because I never like actually learnt how to speak Malay or Tamil or, you know, anything other than English and the English is fine, but you always like feel like you're missing something, Yeah, you know, when you're trying to converse or if you want to go out and do something by yourself independently, it's always like, oh, I've got to kind of trust my language skills here and it's a bit harder to go and do what you want. Like you, I feel like you're more, you rely more on, on like my mom or I rely more on my cousins or something to help me get around. But I, I'm like, huh, I'd rather be able to go up and do something, you know, independently. Um, but I think like we were, we were exposed yeah. to like, um, to aspects of culture. I think we got, some insights into Hinduism because my mum is Hindu. Um, but it was never like kind of forced upon us. Like my grandma yeah. would come and I, I prepared these specialties that she would bring like these Vedic comics that I'm sure you're aware of, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> <I am. laughs> um, but like she would bring these along and read these with us and, you know, she would, play us like lots of prayer songs because she's quite religious and you know we would sit with her while she prayed and you know it was it was nice it was like a nice cultural experience as much as I'm not religious at all um I think it was it was bonding time and it was nice to share that um with my grandma and I don't know just get a bit more appreciation from like their cultural context as well so yeah, I definitely feel like I wasn't entirely removed, but there was definitely like gaps in those three years where, mm. you know, it just made things slightly different. And like when you go there, you know, you can't talk back as much to yeah. elders and things it's like a that. Bit like, there's a bit of difference in a clash in the cultures. Yeah, exactly. And so I think growing up here and, and growing up as headstrong as I have, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, kind of sometimes, you know, you'll have like a, a an argument about what's okay and what's not and, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's yeah, I feel like it's just like a slight culture thing that just makes a little bit more distance than I feel like there should be, but that's mm. okay. <laughs> yeah. And have you got any siblings? Siblings, I do. I do. I have a wonderful brother, um, which in hindsight, I really didn't appreciate that much. I was a terrible bully to him, I think. <laughs> Wait, a younger younger brother or older brother? Older, older, older. Yeah. He's just very like an inflammatory person like I am. Um, but no, I mean, that's not true. He was sneaky. He would like antagonize me sneakily, but I would kick up a huge tantrum and be the one to get in trouble. Um but then I would also just have a bit of rough and tumble. Yeah, the good old sibling <laughs> fights and that. Yeah, and he was a bit—he was a bit on the small side. Um, so we were like comparatively the same size. So mm. you know, I could kind of beat him up a bit, uh, <laughs> which was good. But, um, advisable? No, not advisable. <laughs> Never advisable. Um, but you know, like I always think it's funny how everyone's like, "Oh, siblings always fight." And you need to stop siblings fighting. But I don't think anyone in the younger generations really has had very bad fights with their siblings compared to their parents. Mm. Like my mum and her siblings one time ran around with knives chasing what? each other. 
I have That's never, crazy. Yeah, I have never done that. Never, ever done it. I think the worst thing was when we were, like, having a bit of a punch-up and, like, Arden's head smacked into the heater. That's, we were like, that's, that's pretty gruesome as well. It's pretty, but, like, no knives were involved, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to be said about the older generation and the sorts of fights that they got into mm. versus the uh, severity of the fights us younger generations uh, yeah. got into. Sure. Yeah. That's really good. And what was your experience, like, growing up in Newcastle, like, you know, going to school and just Newcastle is a town as well, city now? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because back then it was so much smaller and there wasn't really a huge diversity in mm. community or the sorts of people that you would see. Um, so, like, you know, the classic experience of taking your lunch to school and people going, ew, like, what's that? You know, <laughs> I've, just got my, I've just got my Muruku snacks, which are like mm. chickpea snacks, and I've said that the most Australian way ever and I feel terrible about it. <laughs> what are those again? Like muruku, it's like a chickpea flour with like some sesame stuff and it's, they like fry it and mm. it's all these funky shapes. Like Is that a Malaysian food. delicacy? No, it's, um, <laughs> it's not Malaysian. It's yeah, sorry. Like, I'm just like showing my ignorance as well. <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's like a South Indian sort of snack. Yeah. So this is the thing, like people aren't exactly wrong when they assume I am Indian. Mm. I just hate that they assume that I'm Indian because it's not true. <laughs> I just know a few things about Indian food, you know. But even that, India is so big. You break it up into all of the different sections and it's entirely different culture. Mm. So, yeah, it's like what I'm talking about is a South Indian snack, but, like, they would eat it in North India as well and yeah. everywhere as well. But, yeah, you bring, like, your funky-looking snack to school and people are like, ew, what's that? It's just my snack, bro. Like, I'm sure if you tried it, you'd really like you'd it. You'd like but, it, yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's just growing up with that is a bit of a pain. But mm. I, I think as everything kind of diversified, like by high school, there was a lot more, um, I guess, ethnically diverse people um, mm. around. But, yeah, I guess it goes to show because when I was in kindergarten, um, people really didn't have any concept of other like ethnicities and yeah so people see me they see a brown girl and their immediate assumption is she must be aboriginal which doesn't even make sense anyway mm. because you don't need to be brown to be aboriginal right yeah so <laughs> i was like am i an aboriginal what is an aboriginal i yeah. didn't have that context yet mm. when i was in kindergarten so i was like does aboriginal just mean brown person because i yeah. guess I guess I am then. Mm. Um, so for like a tiny bit of kindergarten, I was like very confused as to what I was. Yeah. And I thought, maybe I'm Aboriginal. And then. <laughs> Did you I ask your up, parents about that? Well, yeah. I, but like, I always knew that I was Malaysian. Like yeah. my mom was from Malaysia, but for some reason, like, Aboriginal is this separate concept. And I was mm. like, what What does that mean? What does mm. it mean to be Aboriginal? Yeah. Like, is, it, is it about the colour of my skin? Is it about where I'm from? Like, what? what is it? What's the go there? Yeah. 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 And so I ended up finding out that, no, it's just a traditional owner of Australia. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're not, Rani. You're not an Aboriginal. <laughs> so that was a good thing to find out. Um, and so... Then I would, like, try and tell people that I am from or my mum is from Malaysia. Mm. And they would be like, where's that? And I was just like, oh, you know, I was trying to explain to them why I look the way I do. Yeah, and, so you know, trying to explain yourself. Yeah. Trying to explain myself. And I was like, oh, it's, like, similar to Indian. <laughs> similar. Mm. And they're like, oh, Indian. And so that immediate thought is somehow American Indian. Yeah. And so they used to do, like, War cries. I think. Yeah, I don't it really is. want to do it because that's embarrassing. Yeah, I feel like inappropriate. On no, you don't have to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like yeah, but that's very distressing. Yeah. Yeah. Have been. Like, that's it's not the right kind of Indian. Those are American Indians. Mm. Subcontinent <laughs> India. Yeah. Thank you. But even then, it, it's like, why did I even have to make that that relation? You know. Mm. But I don't know. I think everyone's kind of 
as as Newcastle has become more multicultural, there's more awareness now. Yeah. Which, is, which is nice. I hope that young kids growing up don't have to have so to much go through the same. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't traumatized from it, but like the fact that it sticks in my memory mm. <laughs> means that I must have had some sorts of feelings towards yeah, it. Definitely. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like, you know, growing up and going through high school, what was that like later, later in your life? Later? Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I went to five schools in total. Wow. In my life. <laughs> One that's, is kind of that's like. That's a lot of schools. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't a bad student. Okay, yeah, definitely. You're like there. one of the, you literally know everything. <laughs> no, that's so, that's untrue. Please Let's not give anyone any false ideas. No, I went to five schools. I went to like early starters at one school and then I went to another school. Then I went to like this thing called the OC class, which is like a gifted and talented program. Did not help me in the slightest. I spent most of my time in that primary school painting my legs green and watching my friends eat paper mache glue. Wow. Um, so I don't know how gifted and talented it all was. Mm. Um, and then because I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do very much work in that environment. Um, I ended up going to uh, a comprehensive state high school initially, Katara high school. I can't say I have too fond of memories <laughs> of the time there. I mean, I don't want to like slander the school or anything, but I think just like a lot of the attitudes of the students and, you know, it wasn't very nurturing or mm. uh, constructive for someone who actually was interested in furthering their education. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I kind of said, yeah, I'm not staying here. Um, let's give this Meriwether thing another try. Um, so then I went to a selective school and so for again, those that may not know what's, what is a selective, a selective school. So basically you are required to sit an entrance exam. Well, at least when you're coming from primary school into high school. So you sit a, an entrance exam similar to, I guess, nap plan. It's like a standardized test, except yeah. that it's hard. Mm. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, and so, depending on how you do on that standardized test, you'll get a score. I mean, I assume most people would know. Yeah. But, um, a lot of people in medicine, I'm sure, did one um, mm. and went to a selective school. But, yes, um, so you, you do a standardized test, you get a score. Depending on how high your score is, you're eligible to go to a variety of different selective schools. I mean, if you get a really, really top mark, you'll probably go to somewhere like James Roos, which is a very famous um, mm. selective school in like New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you would go to James Roos. <laughs> if you get a lower score, you might go to like Sydney Boys, Sydney Girls, Hornsby. Some shade. <laughs> yeah. I, well, no, it's not shade. It's yeah. just that's, that's. That's how it is. Yeah. yeah like the mm. they, this, each school sets their cutoff. Blames James Roos for setting such a high one. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, but each school sets their cutoff. And if you live close to a school, even if you may be eligible for James Roos, you might just go to the closest one because yeah. what's the point in picking what's up your whole of, life yeah. and moving if you're going to get roughly the same education? I mean, mm. no shade to people who do. Like, it's an, an incredible opportunity. So why would mm. you take it? But, um, yeah, I think people pick for a variety of reasons, um, which school they want to go to. But mm. anyway, when I went through, <laughs> when I went through the system, I didn't do too well on my Meriwether test or my selective schools test. So I missed out by like a couple of points to get in. And my parents were gutted because, you know, my brother had gone to Meriwether or had gotten into Meriwether. Both my cousins had gotten into Meriwether. My dad went to Meriwether. My uncle went to Meriwether. My aunt went to Meriwether. So it's like a grandpa. family school. Yeah. It, it's like it's like the whole um, legacy thing in yeah. America, even though it's not. <laughs> but, you know, there's kind of like this, oh, you know, it would have been nice if you could have if gone you went to, yeah. to the same school. But no, me being me floundered and didn't do well under pressure in a standardized test environment, which I'm sure I'll get to when we <laughs> discuss pathways to medicine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't do too well in my very weather test. So I ended up with Guitar High and it was fine. There were some nice people. There were also a lot of not nice people. <laughs> um, I really liked my teachers though at that school. I can attest that there are some good teachers there. They just struggle under some conditions. Mm. Um, but like I kind of, I studied hard. 
I reapplied. I didn't have to do a test. Oh, you <laughs> just, just got in to, straight. I just had to be like, here's my wonderful, perfect report card. Yeah. Um, I also have heaps of siblings at this school and my parents, like, and my went uncle to the school. Went, went to this school. So let me in. Mm. Um, and so they, they graciously did allow me to enter that school. And I had a reasonable time there. Um, mm. So at I what think, point did you enter Mayweather Help? Like what year were you in by then? So year eight. Yeah, okay. I just did one year at Katara. I, mm. I don't think I could have done another one. I think I would have moved schools yeah. like, to any other school. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I moved to Merriweather in year eight and made a lot of lovely friends who I still keep in touch with today. They mm. are wonderful people. Um, but I think the school itself, while it had like a polished, beautiful, shiny exterior it kind of hid a lot of um i guess not good things mm. and some bad cultural aspects like i think that kids mental health was definitely put on the back burner um how was that with, like like in what way so it was it was very much at least in my time um mm. the principle that came into effect during my schooling period she was very driven on school image. Like before we didn't have very strict uniform rules, but she kind of really enforced that, you know, we, we kind of be held to this private school standard mm. of uniform and looking a particular way, like looking immaculate mm. um, so that people in the community had a good impression of us. And not just that, like, it was not just the look space, but it was also, you know, you need to perform academically um, to make sure that we have a reputation, that we are competing with the Sydney selective schools, that we are, you know, um, I guess a education. Powerhouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. An education powerhouse. And so it was very much just like we would have discussions when people weren't performing academically it was never like oh like how are you doing mentally yeah is there a reason that you're not thriving it was very much just like um if you don't pick up your act here or if like you know you aren't performing well why are you even at this school like mm. you shouldn't be here if you're not planning to go to university in the future don't study mm. at this school like there's no point there was definitely this this sense of you need to perform or you need to get out. Yeah. And so it was it was kind of a little bit cutthroat. And I think in some ways, which is also leading into issues I had with my journey to medicine, um, mm. it was very much just like you should be doing a job that is in line with your academics. So, for example, like if you're getting a 99 ATAR, you need to be doing law or you need to be doing medicine or you need to be doing something that is reflective of that ATAR. Yeah. You can't just go into teaching. Even though I think teaching would benefit from people who are so educationally driven, yeah. right? Mm. So it's just it kind of enforced a lot of these false ideas in a lot of people's minds and and I guess kind of gave a lot of people really significant burnout. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, just trying to keep up. And mm. How are you able to deal with all that pressure and, you know, still be able to do well? Um, I think just making sure I had a balance and, mm. and, still, and still keeping in mind that, like, whatever mark I did get at the end, it didn't really limit me as to what I wanted to do or it didn't, def you know, how they're like, you're not defined by your ATAR. Like, yeah. as much as it's so preached, it, it is true, you know, mm. Um. I just, it, the most important things are, are having a good friend network, are having good balance, you know, exercise and, mm. and hobbies and things outside of just studying all the time incessantly and driving yourself nuts. Like, I think those things kind of helped me push through it. Um, I guess in the friends thing, it was kind of like, oh, well, you're not alone in this struggle. So that was nice to know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you just support each other and mm. doing okay and getting the necessary help you need mm. um, along the way. Yeah, so. that's good. 
thanks for sharing that. And yeah, just like you, you, you said talking about your journey to medicine. So at what point in your life did you begin considering medicine as a career? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it might be good to go through all of my ideas of what I wanted to do, I guess. So yeah. when I was, when I was young, um, I kind of grew up very much surrounded by science. I mean, both my parents are engineers. They're very science minded. Um, mm. And so I used to grow up watching shows like Catalyst and, um, you know, I would watch David Attenborough documentaries and, and watch Steve Irwin's adventures and, and the stuff that he did. So I was super into animals, super into biology. Mm. And so I was like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great to do something like that? And I was like, I'll be a zoologist. I'll mm. be, you know, I'll do something like that. And then I was like, oh, no. You know, it'd be actually cool to help animals, right? Yeah. I could be a vet and I could go out and do like conservation work and be like a native animal vet. <laughs> so deluded at this point. Mm. Um, and I kind of, along the way, I had like hobbies. Like I got really into braiding people's hair and all of that stuff. And I was like, maybe I'll be a hairstylist. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this little side. There's so many things along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So many little side dreams that you're like, oh, well, I could pursue something in this, could mm. pursue something in that, but nothing really struck me other than veterinary medicine. Yeah. But I had my hopes and dreams kind of crushed in year nine <laughs> when I found out you could only study veterinary medicine at, well, the closest place you could study veterinary medicine was at Sydney Uni. Mm. And at, at first I was like, oh, yeah, Sydney Uni is a nice uni, sandstone, pretty, looks looks great. Um, two hours away. Two hours away from my family. That's not too bad. It's not great, but it's not too bad. And then I started looking at the costs of the course yeah. and, like, how expensive it would be to live away from home and this and the other. And the more I looked at it, the more I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm paying, like, something ridiculous, 15 or 20 grand a year to study this course, and then I have to pay a ridiculous amount of money if I want to live at college or, you know, somewhere mm. else on top of that, you know, I don't really want to be making my parents pay for this. That's completely unfair. As much as I didn't really fully understand hex at that point either, Yeah. but still like that's, that's still a lot of debt to be carrying into the future. And mm. what if I don't even like the course anymore and I've done, yeah. you know, half of it and accrued, you know, 50 grand of debt. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, Actually, I don't like this anymore. Mm. I want to go back to be a hairdresser, you know. Uh, <laughs> now I've just got 50 grand of debt and a not <laughs> and very high paying job. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's that's so unfair. Like, And then I started questioning, like, why, why are university fees so expensive? Like, you know, we're only really letting people who are in the upper tax brackets really access uh, education, education yeah. and, and, and high paying education, right? So you're mm. just furthering this cycle of, high income earners then being able to allow their kids to become high income earners. You know, there's not a lot of scholarships available for people purely mm. based on academic merits. Like yeah. you have to have severe financial disadvantage. You have to have, you know, uh, like very niche things. Mm. There's not a heap of scholarships available. And like even amongst you know, those those um, disadvantaged groups, right? There's only a couple of places available. Yeah. There's not a heap of places available for those people. And so I was like, this is just, this is ridiculous. Why why is this? And at the same time, we were learning about Gough Whitlam and like Gough Whitlam's um, like whole free education agenda. Yeah. And so that put me on this whole tirade about we need free education again. What happened? Like it shouldn't be based on someone's, wealth or affluence, it should mm. be based on their merits and um, their dedication to yeah. doing what they want to do. So, anyway, I got on this whole tirade about it. I was like, Gillis, I'm not doing medicine. I'm not going to Sydney Uni, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that elitist culture. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something closer to home. And I was like, well, look, I wanted to help animals. I was really passionate about animals. But what about people? Like, hmm. Maybe I should look into medicine. Newcastle has a medicine program. I'll look into it. And then I think like a few things happened in my life. Like um, I lost my uncle to pancreatic cancer and 
he was a nuclear physician at John Hunter Hospital. Um, I also Great lost my that. yeah, I also lost my grandma um, mm-hmm. a year later. Um, she had a stroke, and so I guess those experiences with the medical system and and then actually hearing about like my uncle's experiences working um, as a physician and some of the cool things he got to do, like. He said one time he had to help a, a lady give birth just on the street. Yeah, <laughs> um, that would be of, intense. Yeah, yeah, and like he was a nuclear physician, so he's mm. not like, gynae, but yeah. you know, he said that was one of the most amazing, rewarding experiences that he's had. And I mm. thought, you know, that's really cool um, that you get to do this and you get to help people and their families, not just not just the people, but the families themselves just um, fight against, you know, illnesses and and help them get resolution and even if it doesn't go well like you're there to support to, yeah to support them mm. through that process and um i just thought that's really special and i think that that kind of even shifted me more towards medicine i was like oh, yeah okay now i've got mm. this context behind me i think i've got something that's maybe pushing me more towards medicine that yeah. aspect yeah mm. and so and that what was, was the journey then after? The journey then after. Um, <laughs> was it an easy one? <laughs> no, Aaron, it was, of course, not easy. If anyone had an easy journey to medicine, man, I envy them. <laughs> sure. um, I mean, everyone's obviously going to have their hardships. When you when you maybe listen to it on paper, oh, yeah, I went through school, I did UCAT or the UMAT, and then I got in. Like, it sounds simple, but I'm yeah. sure for them, it's an entirely more complex process. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not ever going to say someone's journey to medicine was easy because I can guarantee it wasn't, you know. I don't know what they put in in order to do that, but mm. I'm sure it was It was a lot of hard work. And yeah, definitely. So anyway, <laughs> back to my – this. so like my uncle and my grandma sadly passed. It's 2015-2016. I'm graduating in 2017, so I'm doing my HST in 2017, and – I'm like going through, I'm kind of stressed out because burnout, <laughs> um, a lot of pressure to do well and perform well um, from the executive of the school. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, I need to study for this thing called UMAT. Great. We have Which is this. like the entrance exam. Yeah. 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 Everyone would have done some sort of version of it. Mm. Um, we all did UCAT, but UMAT's old school. It's like... Three sections, written paper, well, not written, but multiple choice. Um, you've got your, like, logical reasoning, first section. You've got your emotional re- reasoning, and then you've got your, like, abstract reasoning in the last section. Um, and so you need to obviously get threshold marks, and I was like, okay, we'll just do it. I went for a course. I did not really do much of the course. <laughs> um, there was, like, an in-person day and there was also a party on it was a Mm. two-day thing there was a party on (laughs) i went to the party wasn't planning to drink anything go home early sleep get ready for the next day obviously that didn't happen (laughs) no (laughs) self-control um and so me and my friends rocked up the next day severely tired and hungover so it wasn't a great start i don't think i took it all that seriously mainly because i don't think i thought i could get a good enough atar for starters Mm. to get in I then was like, well, I have to have three things going for me. I have to have the ATA, I have to have the UMAT, and I have to have the interview. Yeah. At one step along the way, <laughs> something's not going to work out. I've got a lot on my plate this year. I'll just go. I'll do it. I'll do a bit of practice. And I'll see how I do just naturally. Mm. If it's good, great. If it's not, we'll Fine. work on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on it. Um, so I end up doing the UMAT, getting it back. <laughs> looking at it and going wow <laughs> wow okay is it wow in a good way or wow in like oh wow wow in like wow that's not good <laughs> yeah um yeah it was it was not great but like i kind of had expected it because i had put in nowhere near as much effort as yeah. a lot of other people so um made sense i didn't really like the test i didn't like the questions i avoided it at all cost because it was just it was like trying to study for something that I couldn't see necessarily paying off for me, right? Mm. If it was going to take out time of me actually doing normal study to get my the ATAR that I need to yeah. start as, mm. why would I why would I preference that? So yeah. I kind of like 
shoved it to the side. Pushed it away. We'll just see how we go. Mm. (laughs) Just see how we go. And it wasn't great, but it was a place to start and that was fine. And so I got that back and I was like, well, we're not doing medicine this year. So what are we doing instead? And then I kind of had to think about it. I talked to a lot of people. I got told to do OT because everyone's looking for OTs. And I was like, okay, yeah, but I don't think I want to be a therapist. Um, then I was like, oh, I should do nursing. Like if you're interested in the clinical experience, you're interested in helping people like do nursing. I was like, mm. oh, yeah, I'll do nursing. And yeah. so I was very stuck on nursing. I had told my friend who had also similarly not done well in the UMAT, mm. um, but she also wanted to do medicine. I was like, oh, like we should just do nursing next year and then try again for medicine. And so we're both on the idea of nursing. We go through, we do our... HSC, get our ATARs. They're like pretty good. They're not, they're not 99s. Um, but they are in the 90s. Yeah, they're in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. they're in the 90s. Um, actually, my year at, at the school, I think was, we had like 16 99s, which is more than we've had in a very long time. Mm. Um, so we had a quite a bright year um, at, at my school. But anyway, <laughs> um, we did, we did okay. We got, like, passable ATARs. Mm. Um, and so we then had to put in our, like, university preferences. Yeah. yeah, which courses we wanted to do. And so nursing was at the top, and then it was, like, biomed, physio, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why you'd put physio down there. I clearly yeah. wasn't that interested in doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, as if I'm getting my third preference of physio, even though it's a lot higher of an ATAR yeah. than nursing. <laughs> But I was like, whatever, we need to have how many preferences. Let's just put it in. And so it's like, I think the night before or the day before, like they're due, the preferences are due. And I'm chatting with my dad and he's just like, Rana, you just don't have the temperament. <laughs> you just don't what? have the temperament to be a nurse. Yeah. Like you won't be able to deal with people. And you're too interested in the nitty gritty of the science mm. and understanding all of that that I don't think nursing is for you. And so I was like, really, Dad? Like, you really think that I would make a good nurse? And he's just like, no. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you would. Like, I think you could do it. I think it would be fine. Mm. But I don't think you would enjoy it as much as you think you would. Mm. And so I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, if you do biomed, right, it's such a general subject, you can then choose what you want to pursue from that. If you want to keep going on the med path, like, that's fine. You have yeah. a lot of back- background Options, for it. yeah. But, you know, obviously, and in my mind, I was very much like, have I just been conditioned to think I want to do medicine because of mm. the school that I went to and because yeah. of the marks that I got? Do I, do I genuinely do I really want to do this? this? Yeah. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, I think you're right. And so I changed my preferences last minute. Then, like, I think the next day when they would, at the day they were due, we had, like, a sleepover. Um, and I told my friend, I was like, oh. So I actually changed my preference and she was so mad at me. I still hear about it today Yeah. about the fact that like I changed. Did she end up, did she end up doing nursing? Yeah, she ended up doing nursing for a year. Oh. <laughs> but she enjoyed, but she enjoyed. And she mm. does actually have the temperament. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was so bad of me to not tell her like then and then where I made my decision. But yeah. Oh, oh well, that's, that's bad, Ronnie. And. <laughs> Yeah, so you got into biomed. I got into biomed. I did. How did you find it? I really enjoyed it. First year, I really enjoyed. I think because it was you. You got to mix with a bunch of people. Like I made friends with physio people. I had friends with chemeng people. Mm -hmm. Ironically, I didn't have any friends from biomed, so (laughs) it was a bit of a pain (laughs) when second year rolled around and we Mm -hmm. no longer had all those huge cohort subjects anymore. Um, So at the end of yeah. I was just going to say, at the end of your first year of biomed, were you still considering, you know, transferring to med straight away or you began to like the degree? Well, I, I had and I, I had signed up to do UMAT. I said, oh, I'm going to do UMAT this year. I'm going to get in next year. And then I was like, I haven't done any study for UMAT. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to waste my money. Mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just wait till next year. And I'm actually enjoying biomed maybe. Maybe I I'll want to have yeah, a career in this. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I can have a fulfilling career in this. Maybe I'll be happy doing what I want. But I think also part of me was very much afraid of failing. Mm. Like 
if if I if I try and I fail, then it's embarrassing for me. I felt mm. embarrassed by the fact that if I had tried and I failed, it it just wouldn't have been good, you know. Yeah. Mm. And I I didn't want to have that. I didn't want to have that embarrassment. I was so afraid of that. Mm. And so that happened again <laughs> in second year. I was like, oh well, it's changing to UCAT. It's completely different to UMAT. I'm not prepared anymore. Like I should just wait. And then I was like, I'm doing. And also, if I finish third year, then, you know, I'll have a whole degree. Mm. Um, I might be able to use it for a job. Lo and behold, I find out at the end of third year that, hey, you actually need to do a bunch of other specialisation yeah. <laughs> or post-grad courses if you actually want any practical job um, mm. in biomed. So, yay, that's probably a warning for the future, any children that you're <laughs> going through. Yeah. Um, make sure you pick your major properly and, yeah. Um, I would have done honours if I hadn't gone into med at the end of third year, but that's a whole different story. Mm. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that yet. Yeah, so um, at the end of your biomed degree, then you what 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 were you thinking about at that point? Well, I, I it was third year because I had to make the decision in third year. I was mm. like, look, um, oh, and this is fun fact for everyone: <laughs> um, if you complete biomedical science at the University of Newcastle, they um, uh, give you reduced entry requirements to get mm. an interview. The interview is still the same. You obviously don't get a preference over the interview, but you yeah. are given an interview out of courtesy for like mm. sticking through the whole course. Um, I shouldn't say you're given it. You still need to do the UCAT. You still need to get a good enough mark. Yeah. But it's not like you need to be competing up mm. with the highest people. Like you can get a bit lower and still get an interview. Um, and I thought, look, I've done the degree now. I do want to get into a medical program. Um, I don't want to do UMAT because I don't like the idea or the UCAT, sorry. I don't like the idea of doing a standardised test that I can't properly study for and it's only practice driven. Yeah. I don't like that. I won't do that. And so I kind of went for the GAMSAT option. Mm, so GAMSAT like, is like a graduate. It's a standardised yeah. test, but yeah. Yeah. It's a standardised test, but it's based on actual knowledge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not just your ability to think laterally, right? Mm. It's it's based on, well, it is a bit about being able to critically think and, and use information to figure out answers to things, but it still relies on a bit of prior knowledge. Yeah. So you need to know about bio biological sciences, um, chemistry and physical physics. Um, mm. You also need to be able to write. <laughs> um, so I did the GAMSAT. Unfortunately, COVID meant that the GAMSAT exam I had been studying for, which was the six-hour paper, handwritten, yeah. yada, 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 um, got changed formats. It became online. It became PropDU'd. Rip. <laughs> Not so fun. Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't do your working out really on paper. You kind of just had to mentally do it. Um, mm. And so I got an okay mark, but um, you also have to do a crap ton of work for portfolios and – it just didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to, but that was yeah. fine. And I was well aware that it probably first time round, most people who do games that don't don't get in, don't get in, yeah, do a medical a medical um, program. That's usually the the situation. And so I was kind of like okay with it, and I was getting prepared to do it again the next year, except GAMSAT is so much more expensive than UK. The UK, yeah. <laughs> So much more expensive. Because they expect so you, you to have graduated and make money for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well. Who knows why? <laughs> um, but it was at least I was I was getting prepared to do it again. And I was like, that's okay. I can do mm. it again. I could use my score from last year, but I would prefer to just redo it again and then have the choice of picking whichever score I wanted. Yeah. Because um, you can use your scores from the previous year. Well, like you have the scores for two years mm. that you can. But I was like, whatever, do it, do it as many times and whichever the highest mark is, that'll give you the best shot of getting in. But then I was like, oh, I've also got this option for Newcastle Med. And in reality, like you didn't get your GAMSAT offers that you wanted. Now, like why don't, if you do, if you manage to get into Newcastle next year, you'll still be graduating at the same time. Yeah. Take a year off to get the GAMSAT mark you want. Hmm. And you'll be studying in Newcastle, you're in the same place, you can yeah. live at home if you need. Mm. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's just let's just do the UCAT. We'll do. A, we'll try and study for it as best we can. We haven't given it the most focus and thought, but we will give it our best shot, and hopefully that will be good enough. 
Mm. Get an interview, and then lo and behold, generous as um, UN is, <laughs> the JMB, they decided to give me an interview. And I was like, okay, let's get ready for this interview. But I don't know. I think in in reality, also needless to say, this I know that you yeah. want to share. You're one of the best students finishing in biomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like that's, that's the top true. biomed student, which was really good. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for thanks for outing me, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I, I did do quite well in biomed. Um, I mean, it's because I enjoyed it. I, I mm. really did enjoy it. But, yeah, I just I wanted, I wanted something more hands-on. I wanted yeah. something more clinical. I wanted something that wasn't a research job. Mm. That meant that I had a six month contract, <laughs> you know, and and that was my lifeline. And mm. I, I still want to do research. I still am interested in research, but I want to do it from the clinical side, not from the I need to kill rats to do my experiment side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I want to see the real world impacts mm. of that research. So. Yeah. No, that's actually an incredible journey. Like coming yeah, from well, the start it's- too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely been filled with a lot of like feelings of inadequacy and Mm -hmm. and being embarrassed about about not being smart enough to do an exam and perform well in an exam um, that's standardized. That's that's been a huge issue for me. Like if I can't study for it, I don't want to do it because I'm afraid of failing Mm -hmm. because I know that other people do well. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not as good as them because I can't. I can't yeah. do the same in that sort of environment. So mm-hmm. um, that's also why I refute when people are like, oh, you're really smart. And I'm like, no, I'm not really smart. I'm just driven to work hard for what mm-hmm. I want rather than having a natural, <laughs> natural innate ability to figure things out. Yeah. And just with like, if you had to look back on your journey, is there anything that you regret? I regret. Anyone um, think I- that you would have changed? I regret feeling embarrassed. I regret feeling embarrassed about about failing or or the idea of failing because I after first year of yeah after first year when I decided not to do the UMAT, but two of my friends who hadn't gotten into med um, the previous year had done it, mm. and they both gotten in, and like they didn't have the. 90 something percentile mark they had a really good percentile mark nonetheless yeah. but you know they you didn't have to have 90th percentile anymore mm. and i kind of when they both were talking about at the end of the year the fact that they were getting to do med and they were all excited and bonding like and i was like oh you know mm. what if what if i, what if I did it yeah yeah. Mm. yeah like if i I'd given it a go um, I was just, it was very much like, what if I had given it a go, you mm. know, and I'd, I'd actually put some time and effort into it and, and done it. Like, would I, would I be studying with them? You know, would yeah. I be, you know, a couple of years, years ahead. Future, yeah, yeah. Be, be studying with them. And, 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 um, and not only that, like the, one of the girls who had stayed with me, the one who did nursing actually, um, mm. for a year, like she and I hung out pretty much all the time and yeah. then she got into medicine at unsw like a last round offer and she had to make a decision to move in like a week mm. and that was just like holy dooly you know a big part of my support network is just upping and leaving yeah and you know she's going off and and doing you know the degree she wants to do like things are falling into place and what am i doing mm. <laughs> i mean you're liking biomed but you know, you, yeah, you just wish you could be somewhere else. Sort of yeah, 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 and and just I guess losing a friend is, uh, or not losing, like yeah, like still kept in contact. Yeah. But like, yeah, you you know, you're you're losing someone that you see face to face on yeah. such a regular basis, mm. and that was like, you know, that was hard in in such a short time frame. You know, mm. so um, in the end, it all worked out well. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, my my biggest regret is is very much. Um, feeling embarrassed about failing and mm. not not pushing myself to try and overcome that. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. And I feel like if anyone, if anyone's feeling like they're not good enough or they're embarrassed about failing, please don't <laughs> give it a go. Like just don't be embarrassed to fail. Don't feel like you're not good enough. Mm. 
start there and, and chase what you want. Yeah, definitely. Cool. That's such good advice. Thanks for that. Yeah. And yeah, just for like being in med for one year now, I guess, how's the experience been for you? Like, how are you liking it or not liking it? No, I, I'm, I'm really liking it. Uh, I'm not going to lie though. I do feel, <laughs> I do feel kind of drained. I think that's probably because I have been studying for, well, not studying, but I have attended an educational institution of some mm. degree for like 18 years now, straight, yeah. no breaks. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's a bit wearing a bit thin. Um, I really want to go and see the world and I really want to expand my worldview that's already partially expanded. Mm. I, I can't lie. I, I have seen some stuff. I've had some good experiences. I've not just lived in my tiny little Newcastle world, which I have, yeah. <laughs> I have, but I've also, you know, I've also been to other countries. I've been traveling around Australia a bit mm. and I feel like I want to do that more. I've yeah. gotten a taste for it and I want to do it more and I want to see more and I want to experience more. So how does that look like with a medical degree? Like if that you're looks tough. Travel, yeah. So what's the <laughs> plan there? Well, look, I mean, if I was super excited, I would take a year off and I would plan a big, nice holiday, but COVID's kind of mm. spanned that. Um, and look, I think it's probably better to just reduce the amount of time that you're not earning. So get through, get through uni mm. in as short a time as possible. And then maybe instead of going straight into internship, immediately take like six months off or take yeah. a year off and then mm. do a very no break internship mm. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just something like that. Just expand a bit more and, and, and feel like I've seen a bit more of the world. Mm. I think no, that's amazing. That be, yeah. That would be that's nice. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to do this. Oh, no, thanks for jumping in. 